This is Artist Stories, featuring the stories of artists and arts organizations in our region. Artist Stories is a project of the Arts Foundation for Tucson and Southern Arizona, which is partially funded by the City of Tucson and Pima County. I'm your host, Janae Sanchez, and today I am with Valentina Vavages Andrew, tribal member of Tahana Atham Nation, STEM educator, environmentalist, activist, musician, podcaster, radio host, and cat mom. Valentina, thank you so much for joining me today on Artist Stories. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate uh, you inviting me on to this awesome platform. Awesome. Well, we're so glad to have you, and I'm excited for our conversation. Can you begin by telling us a story about how you conceived and developed the Tahana Atham Young Voices podcast? So it was created in 2016, the podcast, the idea of having a podcast. And it, at the time, I was involved in activism work. I was involved in a group called Don Atham Chikam Rights Network. And we were really just concerned about um, amplifying ways of amplifying what we were dealing with on the Thon Autumn Nation in regards to border issues. And at the time, they were really talking heavily about the integrated fixed towers that they were going to be setting up along the border on the Thon Autumn Nation. So about 15 of them. They had the environmental impact statement out. There were things about that document that were concerning to us a lot of the verbiage in it that they were that was in that document was different from what they were telling community members um, when they would visit and talk about this so i figured well you know i had a friend she actually invited me on her mini program uh, at kxei and just being in that space I was really intrigued and I was really impressed and I was like, wow, this is pretty awesome to be in radio and in a studio and talk on a microphone. <laughs> uh, tell me more. <laughs> um, and so she really, her name is uh, Kimmy Izel. She really helped me to get my foot in the door of the world of podcasting. So I asked the questions. I asked questions. I got, you know, information, looked at things online and just figured, okay, well, let me, I have a laptop, let me go to a pawn shop and buy some USB microphones and look up some web hosts where I can begin to create this podcast. And my first one was really to talk about that environmental impact statement. Um, that had to do with the integrated fixed towers. But that's really where the idea stems from, is wanting to share and amplify our concerns, but also share a lot of truths about that document, as well as our concerns as community members, as tribal members, as young people, and, and how that could potentially harm or Im negatively impact our futures. Can you describe how you experienced the border and how you feel perhaps um, others who maybe don't live in proximity to the actual border might perceive it? Well, for one thing, you know, growing up as a kid in the 90s, um, 
back then we were we were able to just freely cross the border um, I don't remember I don't remember much of it but I remember hearing a lot about how autumn did that a lot at the gate in San Miguel it was called the gate so it was a place where autumn can go freely cross and you know whether it's visiting other autumn family that do live um, down south or if it's just you know buying soda snacks cheese things like that um, I heard a lot of those stories and it was just a no something that was normal something that was a part of our everyday lives um, and that's just what it was but of course as I've gotten older and I specifically remember around the age of 13 years old I feel like that was a time where Border Patrol's presence was very very um, kind of really began to make its presence more known especially on the roadways and so I've seen a lot of changes since that time um, as far as uh, the, the freedom as autumn for our land the freedom to move without feeling like we're suspect or things like that or that we're doing illegal things um, and I'm not going to deny that illegal things do happen out there because they do, but not all of us, not everyone is involved in that kind of activity. And so there are a lot of innocent autumn that do get targeted mis by mistake um, and get labeled um, as, you know, somebody who's involved in that kind of activity, unfortunately. So through time, you know, the frustration, it builds up. And that's what was going on with myself and um, a lot of, a few of my friends. We were all at the uh, community college out there. That's where we all met, actually. And we shared our same frustrations about what's going on. We, we just felt like our leadership wasn't doing enough to provide the best and right resources for community members who are dealing with um, certain traumas. Um, checkpoint trauma being uh, the number one thing. And at the time we were frustrated ourselves because we just felt like for so long nothing is being done and nobody's protecting us and why are we continuously being targeted um, on our own land and why do we have why this and why that you know there we just had so many questions unanswered questions and so it built from frustration and feeling like nobody was doing anything so we started to think about well what what can we do how can we raise our voices and um, and make ourselves known and show our concern not just for ourselves but for many other autumn who feel the same way so we were definitely willing to do what we needed to do in order to get the attention that these certain things such as border harassment border patrol harassment needed can you elaborate a little bit more on what the term checkpoint trauma means to you the term checkpoint trauma, I, I feel like, comes from years of mistreatment and unfortunate experiences 
passing through a checkpoint while leaving the reservation, the reservation boundaries. There are moments, there are many stories out there too, that families, children especially, maybe they've had an experience where their parent or their aunt or uncle or grandma or grandpa had an experience with the Border Patrol and the Border Patrol pulls them over into secondary and questions them and threatens them and intimidates them and of course kids get scared, they get traumatized or they get harassed on the road, actually on the road, you know. Border Patrol, they, they run the roadways, you know, they're everywhere out there, even today if you go out there. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just the trauma of dealing with these, feeling like you're targeted, feeling like you're a criminal, feeling like you're not even a part of America. How has the Tahana Atom Young Voices podcast impacted you as a creator, right, as a community member? And what kinds of impacts have you seen in the broader community? Wow, you know, I have to say when I first started this podcast, it was really, again, really to get information out. Um, but it really has just done its own thing. It really has just kind of gone in a direction on its own. And I'm and I've just kind of gone along for the ride. And I'm so blessed and grateful to where it's at today because it's been a long time coming with it and you know with the podcast itself as a creator you know I've developed a lot of skills editing audio skills you know graphic design learning how to navigate an interview <laughs> um, you know learning about new equipment audio equipment there's just so many skills that I've developed just doing this and opportunities that have come about doing this as well and uh, a lot of um, support from the community support that autumn especially autumn or indigenous folks feel like this is a platform that i trust this is a platform that's going to share my story and all truths because in my past experiences, um, back when I was more in the activism realm, we would get interviews all from all over the states. You know, reporters, writers wanting to come and, and get our stories and we would put our trust in them. But unfortunately, it was always just a different kind of the angle that they would put out there as far as when the story would actually come out was always disappointing, unfortunately. So this is definitely a platform that's kind of turned into where I, I feel like, yes, you can you can definitely trust that when you're when you're on the podcast. Yes, things get edited. But you know what? I as a community member at myself and experiences that I've gone through in the past, um, I'm not this is something I'm not going to do. I'm going to let you tell your truths and all of it. It's going to be uncensored all the way. Um, and I feel like that's what I've gotten a lot from a lot of past um, guests who've come on the podcast. They've just felt so happy 
and and feel supported and feel like yes i can say this and i'm not gonna be judged or i'm not gonna be uncensored at all so a lot of great things um coming out of this podcast and also not just to young voices but um at a certain point i started to feel like the more as an adult living my life here in tucson now i started to feel like you know, especially because of the work that I was doing, you know, I worked for the National Park Service um, for a good four and a half years here in Tucson. Um, and, you know, being involved, getting more involved, attending different events, museums, etc. I started to realize that a lot of representation of us was represented and and that's all good and and great that they're making the efforts but at the same time there's just still a lot of limited um information and a lot of it again was just not really told from a perspective that it should be told from and then that's when i came up with the idea of cultivating indigenous voices podcast um which is a part of uh stemmed from um KXEI, using KXEI as a platform to now, in a different direction, kind of including indigenous voices of like, how are we contributing to the city of Tucson? What are native indigenous folks doing great things that we're doing? Again, those underrepresented voices, you know, um, I felt like we needed to tell our own stories here in Tucson. And so that's how that came about. So I got these two podcasts and and uh, they both had some really great recognition from different things. Cultivating Indigenous Voices was actually just featured in, in an exhibit that, um, that um, was kind of created for Native women, resilience, etc. And that was really cool that the podcast was featured in that exhibit. Uh, and it was a podcast. They really enjoyed the episode that we talked about where the native vote counts. So covering stories like that, you know, again, sharing our perspective as native and indigenous people. But again, it's definitely really, um, really been supported by the community. And that's why I'm continuing. That's why I'm still doing this because the community wants this and still very much needs this type of platform. Oh, incredible. Thank you for sharing. And one of the things that stood out to me that you said was uh, that building community trust created by the community for the community Mm -hmm. is a powerful just uh, tool for building that cultural power that that is already living in in our community mm-hmm. so I, yes. I appreciate your work and inspired deeply inspired by it thank you one of the questions that we typically ask on the podcast is what is your artistic root yeah so you know as a kid growing out growing up on the Thana Autumn nation i grew up in two villages one called Gatka, which is where my mother is from, and one called Okchin, which is where my father is from. And we did travel between both of our parents. We spent time at my mom's and spent time at my dad's. Um, but, 
you know, a kid growing up on the res, there's not really much to do. <laughs> so, you know, the, the land was really my playground. I enjoyed it so much. I was always out there playing in the trees, running around in the washes, climbing, hiking high mountains, just really exploring as much as possible. And I loved it. I loved it and I still love it to this day and you know growing up as a kid out there I learned a lot it was very um, it was a really good experience for me to be able to be on my own land to have the freedom that I had as a kid to run around and not feel scared or endangered or anything like that and you know, as I got an older in my high school years, I went to a boarding school out in uh, Riverside, California, uh, Sherman Indian High School. Went to high school out there. And then when I came home, my family had moved to Tucson. At that time, I was like 16, 17 years old. And we've pretty much just been here since then. You know, I was actually born here in Tucson and uh, pretty much grew up most of my life now at this point. Um, pretty much grew up here in Tucson so embracing Tucson as well and learning a lot about the history of Tucson because it's, it's our history it's my history um, learning about how we're connected ancestral lands you know all these different places and spaces just taking ownership that this is still my home these are still our ancestral lands and it's just been a real blessing that I am where I'm at today and it really of course it does all stem from my upbringing and my love for land because I've had such a long career in the stem field you know with my concern for future generations, but also my concern for the land itself, the environment, the impacts. And I've just learned a wealth of information in the STEM field, specifically about, you know, these areas, this region and Southern Arizona. And then I've had a lot of really great opportunities working in the STEM field. And again, it all stemmed from my love for land and so I, I always make sure that I go back to that. Even with the busyness of my lifestyle now, I always take time to go back to the desert, go back to the mountains, the water, the trees. You know, that's definitely my Zen place. That's my escape route right there. If I'm going through something, if things are hard in life, that's where I go is, is to you know these wild places um and just you know reflect and and feel at peace again so my love for land is has been there and it's always there and it offers a lot to me even to this day as an adult one thing that i've picked up from my mom and then i'm spending more time with her harvesting wild plants wild foods um, wild materials to whether it's making baskets or enjoying the fruits things like that so it's just definitely um, 
it's just still very much a part of uh, my life today and I'm really appreciative of it and of course it is something that I always want to include in the podcast especially T.O. Young Voices podcast is traditional culture language um, etc music right I've heard some of the episodes that yeah besides the music mm-hmm. can you talk a little about that musical side of your creative trajectory and also for the podcast mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know so my um my grandfather my dad's dad lester Babbage's but he is or was a part of gachi fiddlers and um you know back in the day way way back in the day and that's kind of where how waida music for us of course the word waida stems from baila um that's how it came to be such a, a big part of the thana autumn nation as far as music and entertainment and social dancing goes that's where it stems from was like um back in the day during uh, the missionary times um autumn were taught how to play instruments guitars violins so that they can help in when it comes to music and mass um in the church but then of course outside of the church autumn were playing uh, other you know other types of music more related to like mexican music right that's really where it all stems from and comes from of course we do have our traditional culture related music that involves song and and real meaning as far as like storytelling or history you know we're an oral tradition um tribe right um but this other music um my grandfather he learned as a young man to play the violin and then later in life he became a part of this uh, gachi fiddle uh band and then so my dad comes from a big family my grandma annie uh mary annie bot had 10 kids and all of them were boys she only had one girl <laughs> and they were all musicians all my uncles well not all of them but most of them were all musicians and then they had a band of their own called uh, they first were called Papago Express but in 1986 the tribe changed their name to Thana Autumn that's when we became Thana Autumn because prior to that um we were called Papago by non Autumn people that's what they referred us to but in 1986 that all changed. Mhm. And so the band name changed to The Express. And so, you know, unfortunately, I we lost our father um at a young age. Um but prior to him um being not not being here anymore, he was teaching me how to play the drums. And uh so I just grew up around music. I grew up around um listening to Mexican music and mariachi music and growing up in a household where my grandfather would be fixing his guitar or tuning his guitar or his violin and or his trumpet and so growing up around that kind of um environment was pretty awesome and uh so my love for music especially what I do today as a radio host radio DJ 
that's where it all comes from, really. And I also play, the, I still play the drums. Um, I've been playing the accordion for two years now. Um, so it's just always been there. And, you know, my, my I still have family members um, that are in the band that still play. You know, my brother, he's self-taught guitar and he's, he's awesome, amazing. You know, one of my cousins, my older cousins, who my dad actually taught him how to play the guitar. He is living his dream out in Texas. He's been playing with Jaime. Um, what is it? Jaime Los Chamacos? He, he used to be Los Chamacos. But he's uh, the guitarist for Jaime now. He's played with a lot of very, very popular um, Mexican artist bands. So that's been really amazing to see. Flaco, he's played alongside him. Just so many, so many other names, really. But it's still very prominent in, in, in who we are as the family, the Vavages family. It seems like the bicultural um, influences mm -hmm. have um, yes. like made an impact on your, on, your, on your life and your career. That's really a, a wonderful story. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely, um, I definitely embrace the lifestyle here. You know, the border lifestyle, the binational lifestyle, because we're so connected. You know, with whether it's here in the U.S. or in Mexico. You know, I have a lot of appreciation and respect for um, your culture, the Mexican culture. Because I feel like it just—it's just so adapted into our culture today, with everything, whether it's food, music, even some of our words, our language, um, has become a part of—it's become a part of it as well. What's moving you in this moment, whether it's literally, artistically, emotionally? In this moment, I feel like what's moving me is the freedom to feel like people are seeing my, I don't want to say worth, but people are seeing my abilities, my capabilities as a profession. They trust they, that I've been in the community here for so long that people either hear about me or they kind of know what I'm, what I'm able to do professionally. And then so they trust that I can be a part of certain spaces, that I can be a voice as well um, and share my expertise with others. And that opportunities are opening and coming from that as well. And that I'm building something bigger than what I realize I'm building. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just a, I feel like realizing that, like, wow, you know, this is, this is, this is really making an impact. Bigger than I ever even imagined that it was going to be. And it's just really amazing to see where it's at today and what it's doing, what it's still doing. It's just getting bigger and more opportunities are coming from it. 
and that eventually maybe someday when I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this I really don't you know <laughs> it's kind of like that that decision to like finally step away from the STEM field because I again I had been doing that for so long and I at some point I just kind of felt like you know I was I started doing the podcast when I was still in the STEM field and at that point I kind of felt like you know I think I want to give the STEM field a bit a break I've been doing this a long time I want to do something different and if it wasn't for podcasting you know I I wouldn't have had the opportunity to go more into radio and developed as a radio personality over the years and um, build a new skill and that and so it's gotten me where I'm at today where now it's radio and podcasting for me you know <laughs> so just opportunities is what's moving me today and doors that are opening for the podcast and for myself um, and it's I'll share a little story really quick so recently for work uh, we went to a training in uh, Phoenix and it was for uh, underwriting training and I felt like <laughs> I felt like all I did there was talk about the podcast because that's all people wanted to hear like I mentioned a little bit about what I do but it just seemed like they they were so intrigued by the story behind the podcast and what it is that's all they wanted to hear about and so I talked more about the podcast than what I was originally there for the training for and then I was offered an opportunity while I was there on behalf of the podcast and potentially um, doing a training for next year's um, I guess conference or whatever it is that they're having just because of some of the things that I was able to share because people want to know like well how did you develop how, how are you doing all this and you know I, I talk about the important things as far as like equipment host website what what is uh, how do you know people are listening the data the demographics things like that um, that I feel like it's just been an interesting interesting road and people are just still very much interested and still very inspired and, and just love the podcast and I feel like podcasting even over the years since 2016 podcasting is killing it right now right yeah, yeah I agree <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so great you mentioned that you grew up in a you know oral history environment a, a musical environment and this the Tahana Altam nation is known for mm -hmm. being just experts in this oral storytelling so it's it's like what a great uh, way to share more broadly mm -hmm. the stories of your experiences and of your communities. I would like for just this next section, Valentina, if you will share what you're working on right now. Yeah, so, you know, thank you um, for giving me this opportunity to share a little bit of myself, the, uh, the background of the podcast. Um, but yes, what I'm working on today, just recently and during the summertime, uh, I, I received a grant uh, from the Tucson Arts Foundation 
and that grant is allowing me to build capacity meaning that I can now build a little mini team behind me to help me out so I currently just uh, brought on board an intern editor who is a high school student uh, here in Tucson and so she'll definitely have an opportunity to really just learn and get an experience um, editing amongst other things um, graphic designing etc and then I'm also looking for uh, an admin assistant who will definitely help take care of a lot of the admin stuff um, and then I'm also going to have the funding to hire um, a web designer because that's something I always wanted for the podcast yes there's a host website but it'd be really cool to have an actual website of the podcast itself for Don Altham Young Voices so um, having that funding to do that and of and another thing is that um, we put it in the budget to have at least 15 episodes that we can put out in a year's time and also um, develop three startup workshops how to start your own podcast workshops where again we have the funding to um, hire someone to lead those workshops and for me I want to bring on board actual um, native indigenous podcasters to lead those workshops for young people for youth um, so uh, in a year's time we're hoping to put out these 15 episodes do these startup uh, podcast workshops you know um, as well as how can we engage ourselves into um, the community uh, how can we better support community members um, so as far as that goes that's one thing that I'm working on now um, especially I mean of course it's just it's a new world we're living in now with the pandemic and everything um, I mean yeah it's been a year since that time but I feel like because I'm now taking that role where I'm really having to branch out in the community in, in, in the state that we're in now that's something that I'm learning I have to learn too um, how can I um, how can we as a team um, you know do these kind of things virtual things virtually at that right um, so as far as uh, things that I'm working on now that's a part of it um, another thing uh, for uh, cultivating indigenous voices podcast I know it's been some time since I actually put out an episode on uh, that platform but I, I would really you know love to meet somebody young and as driven as I am and eventually maybe possibly hand over the reins you know um, but if I can just inspire other young people other youth to continue to share these same things these similar stories or, or be that voice I think that would be that would be really really awesome um, to do that but um, right now it's focusing on the grant and uh, building capacity and moving forward with building 
you know so my you know a little bit of my what I see in the future is what I would like for the podcast to really be is to you know have an office space have like a little headquarters um, have it where people can come and use the equipment for whether it's podcasting or just archiving and things like that that would be really cool because I feel like we don't really have that here and I've looked at stuff online most of it is mainly professional studios for musicians artists singers um, I think there there's one that I did come across where they do offer um, what is it they do offer like if you want to do a podcast and recording and things like that well I know I can speak for the entire Arts Foundation team when I say that we are really thrilled um, that you are one of our grantees for the Project Creosote uh, Cycle 1 grant. Mm -hmm. So congratulations yes. on that. And I would love to take one of your... Thank you. <laughs> I would love to take one of your um, workshops. As you know, I'm new to producing um, podcasts. Mm -hmm. so that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, oh, yeah, I'll be in sure. touch with you about that. Um, how can our <laughs> listeners find your podcast and where can they um, follow you and what platforms? So the podcast does have a Facebook page, um, but you know, that really isn't very active. I think what's what I'm what I'm more active in is the Instagram page. So at Autumn Podcaster. You can, follow so that's o-o-d-h-a-m podcaster it's just all one word um, and so that's where you can definitely find a lot of news up-to-date episodes and uh don autumn young voices is on um various platforms such as spotify or iheart radio apple podcasts um I believe Google Podcasts. So it's on those platforms as well. And then of course there's always the host website which is spreaker.com that's s p r e a k e r.com. Well, Valentina, I have really enjoyed this time with you and thank you for taking the time to share to share this space. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, reaching out and wanting to uh, have me on this uh, awesome artist stories. I look forward to uh, the outcome. All right. This has been Artist Stories with Janae Sanchez, featuring the stories of artists and arts organizations in our region. To listen to more podcasts, visit kxci.org. Artist Stories is a project of the Arts Foundation for Tucson and Southern Arizona, which is partially funded by the City of Tucson and Pima County. Music for this podcast was created by Jonathan Rodriguez. <laughs>